welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online, and there's one up there, or there's several up on the pod, on the uh, on, on the podcast feed. There's one running on the uh, on the radio loop feed, but there's a show everywhere. Seven days a week at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. It it has been progressively more fascinating to to watch how this Mar-a-Lago I, I guess I'll, I'll use the word, and, and, and this plays into a lot of the stereotype, raid. Raid has this, this uh, imagery of, of someone kicking down a door. It was quite different than that. It's, it was a search, and it was a search conducted as legally as humanly possible, uh, not as humanly possible, as demanded by uh, the law. Uh, it was a search that was only ultimately signed off on by the attorney general, uh, as we're learning more and more, after weeks of deliberation over the pros and cons of doing something like this vis-a-vis a former president of the United States. I guess on the one hand, and I'm, I'm extrapolating here, on the one hand, considering uh, what the legal implications of it would be, then the political implications of it all, everything being a case of, of, of first impression, there never having been a raid on a former president's home, then there never, on the other hand, there never having been anything like Donald Trump in or out of the White House one way or the other in American politics. Game show host, one thing. President of the United States, quite another. And and, and we're dealing with this. And and the Republicans are dealing with this. Not not well, but they're dealing with it to, to, to some degree. Uh, expectedly, of course, you know, once the raid took place, and it's over a week now, uh, cries of, you know, unfair, naturally, this is what's going to come from Trump. But, But the most amazing thing here was that the response elicited from Donald and his camp was the most awkward and, and clumsy uh, ever-changing of anything that I've seen during either the Trump presidency or the post-presidency, or, or during his, his first campaign run back in, in 2016. Um, I've never seen them, him and his, and his, his, his cohorts, his, uh, struggle to create a storyline like I've seen this time around. I mean, you got everything from, okay, we, we, we gave you everything that you asked for. That was a lie. Then uh, the FBI has been planting material at Mar-a-Lago. That was a lie. Then, um, who, uh, oh, uh, the president 
you have to understand that that the, the president uh, was in the habit of taking things home every night to prepare so that he could study documentation and be prepared the next day. And we had a standing order that whatever he took into the residence with him to study the day before was automatically declassified. That, that was so insane, that particular load of crap. Um, there's just, you know, and, and, and of all people, John Bolton, who I'm not a great fan of, but, but who obviously decided that being dissed by Donald was a little more than even he could handle, and he's gone on the attack. At that time, he was National Security Advisor, and he, of all people, would have been aware of the fact that there was secure documentation that was being spontaneously declassified. Uh, by the president so that it could be studied the night before he had to do some kind of wild pronouncement about it or to speak spontaneously about it in some kind of national security environment the next day. Bolton said it was a load of crap. What else has been put out there? Um, uh, some something about uh, uh, well, let me say the planting. Uh, we had already fulfilled everything. No, uh, I had to take it home. It was spontaneously declassified. You cannot spontaneously declassify anything, and 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 the danger of attempting to do that is is all the more apparent when you consider that once this documentation is declassified, it's not just declassified for the president, it's declassified for anyone. So if there is a Pfizer request by anyone in the public for the most sensitive top security information that would, be, would have been part of the cash that was pulled from Mar-a-Lago by, by, by the FBI as part of their search, that information could just go out into the public. Now, you have to understand also, in, in many of these documents, the document itself... And the information in the document, this is typical of many uh, secure documents, top secret and other level secrecy documents. They themselves are the results of secret documents or secret processes of the United States government. And that simply revealing the document not only jeopardizes the content of the document itself, but of the underlying sources and resources that may have been utilized in the collection of this document. So the, the very notion that you could spontaneously make something declassified is is patently absurd. There, yes, the President of the United States has the right to declassify documentation. That is his right. That is something that we, have, we grant our presidents. But there is a process simply because there is so much involved. Donald Trump notoriously didn't give a rat's 
ass about process or procedure or anything else. Donald Trump never studied documentation in his life. Donald Trump tore things up. Donald Trump, according to people who have testified to this effect, has no respect whatsoever for the ethics, for the morals, for the, for the, for the procedures, for the traditions of anything except that which will serve his own chubby rump. That is Donald Trump. To try to conflate what he is with some weird uh, highfalutin notions of dedication to job and therefore a need for spontaneous declassification is is a joke at, 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 at the lowest level. It is just buffoonery. And, and, and the latest one, this, this is the, the best of all, now uh, Donald and, and his cohorts are, well, I want you to declassify the affidavit that went with the search. Now understand that so far the search warrant, the warrant basically being the statement of the legal basis for the search and the so-called receipt which is a general, very general statement of what was taken, those two things were declassified by the DOJ. Well, not to be outdone and still flapping around on the deck of the ship like a, like, like a, like a, like a wounded tuna trying to find some kind of an excuse that will actually stick with anyone with half a brain. The next step being taken in that hopeless uh, uh, progression of activities is to try to declassify or claim you want to have declassified the affidavit that supported the search. What, what would that mean? Well, that would mean that all of the potential objects of the search would have to be revealed. All of the information that led to needing the search of Mar-a-Lago in the first place would have to be revealed. More sources, more exposure than we already have for members of law enforcement, the FBI, the DOJ, and others, simply so that Trump would have the opportunity to to point a finger at someone else, to basically sick his base, sick his, his sycophants on other sources. Trump couldn't give a rat's ass about protecting anyone or anything. Now, I, I think he knows damned well that the DOJ, there isn't any way in hell, his attorneys would have to know this, there's no way in hell that anyone is going to release or allow the exposure of the, uh, of the, of the affidavit at this stage in the game. And I say at this stage in the game. Because it's not unusual. In fact, it's, it's, it's pretty much common uh, for an affidavit of the sort that would that was the predicate for uh, everything that that followed vis-a-vis Mar-a-Lago, it is not unusual for an affidavit to be released, but typically or or to be unsealed by the judge. Uh, before whom the entire process uh, was unfolding. This, in this case, this would be Reinhardt in South Florida, federal judge Reinhardt. But this is only the case, or it is typically only the case, once indictments have been 
issued. Okay, so that in, in a normal search situation, if it's not the President of the United States and if it's not boxes upon boxes of classified documentation that have to be gone through, that everybody has to understand where it's been, what's going on, who might have had their hands on it, trying to trace all this, there's a huge effort that's got to be going on in the background. In other circumstances of a search where there's a very specific sort of thing going on and the object of the search is tied directly to criminal activity and that criminal activity will fall in the lap of a specific individual, you may have had an indictment come down already, even at this point, based on the product of the search that was done. That is not and will not be the case here for some time. Once indictments have been unsealed, once the results of that uh, affidavit and everything else, the, the affidavit combined with the warrants, once all that has been acted upon and people have been charged, then it will be most certainly appropriate for the public to know what was in the affidavit as we proceed into the trial phase of all this. But not now, not while there's an investigation ongoing, not now while there are probably more people who will have to be picked up and rounded up and brought in as a result of all this, not now when sources could be revealed and those sources could be compromised and those sources could be threatened and Donald could put out uh, tweets or whatever he calls them these days, whatever his private network is that basically tells people who to attack, tells what Looney Tune to go after, what FBI agent in what state. You're not, you're not gonna to get that now, but you will eventually. And people just are going to have to, you know, hang in on that. The, the, the difficulty facing Republicans right now is that it, it's apparent no one has the storyline that works here. There's a desperate desire to come up with a storyline that will carry Donald through to uh, a, a screaming, kicking reaction and, a one, and one that the base can really, really embrace as the indictments ultimately come down. And there's an assumption there, and I think it's a reasonable one, that Merrick Garland would have never started this process unless he knew it was going to end in the indictment of Donald. Why do I say that? And, and, well, I, I say it because Eric Holder made this point yesterday in some documentation or some statement that he made. He said that if you don't indict Donald, at least for what's just happened with Mar-a-Lago, where, where, the, the, where the illegality is so obvious, where the effort to, to say that, well, you know, oh, and I, I forgot one extra excuse that was out there. But you know, when, when it finally became apparent that he was gonna leave the White House, well, wow, he only had two weeks left. Well, at that point, they were just throwing things together and they didn't know what they had. And you know, he, he was always taking papers home anyway to, to, to 
to work on, so they just kept throwing things together, and they, well, you don't throw together 20-something boxes of classified material, various levels of classification. No one on earth does that. Or, or there was the other, oh, Barack Obama did it. No, that was a total, complete lie as well. The moment your presidency is over, all of this documentation, anything that you were involved with, anything you laid your hands on, barring very specifically defined personal stuff, this becomes the property of the National Archives. And that's why the National Archives has been involved in all this. But Eric Holder made this very, very good point. He said, if, if no indictment comes down, against Donald Trump, then the country will be divided because the, 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 the left, the Democrats, will be completely disillusioned and the country is split. If Donald Trump is indicted, well, the Republicans, the right, will get, get all kinds of crazy and the country is split. One way or the other, Donald Trump is the fault line, America's fault line. And there is going to be a split uh, one way or the other. That's just how we're going to go. So what Holder said was made so much sense. He said, the, in so many words, the hell with whose political feelings are hurt and, and, and what your fear might be about who is going to react in what way. Why don't we just err on the side of the law and let the law do what it's supposed to do because we're not going to please everyone one way or the other. Uh, there's probably, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. I, I don't know. There, there must be some good song lyric somewhere that I could quote, and I'm sure you, maybe some of you listening are quoting some song in your head as we say this that, that makes that same image or, or kind of pulls that thought together. The hell with the sides and who we're trying to please. Let's go with the law. And the, and the point that Holder was making, and the point that you could not avoid if you were reading his statement was that the law will come down with indictments. Speaking of which, uh, Rudy Giuliani now has been informed that he is the object of the Georgia uh, grand jury investigation, the one that seems to be moving faster than all the others. He has gone from being a person of interest to a target. I, the, the specific word is target. The, 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 the way this works, uh, when, when, the, when the criminal uh, investigatory sources when the officials in any state or federal investigation tell someone, give them the word that they are a target. It's actually, that, that is actually revealed to uh, the defendant or, the, you know, the person who, the object, to their attorneys. And it's, it's done and it's said so that the attorneys 
can be conscious of how they may want to craft certain statements, certain public-facing things that they do relative to their client. When you say target, it means there's a likelihood, a very strong likelihood, that we're planning to basically indict, to charge your client. They are a target. So if you're going to bring them in, if they're being brought in under subpoena, they basically should be aware of that. Now, it it just so happens that Rudy Giuliani has been subpoenaed to appear before the Georgia grand jury that is investigating Donald Trump's uh, very apparent efforts to fix, to overturn the results of the presidential election in Georgia in 2020. We have a we have the recording. Uh, find me eleven thousand six. That, what's the number? That's all I need. I just need find me. You can do that. You can find. <laughs> the only question there, of course, is uh, intent and criminality based on intent. I don't know how there's not criminal intent there. I don't know how anybody in their right mind could listen to that recording and not see the pressure, the effort, the criminal intent, the desire to overturn, the disrespect for the results of the votes of the people of Georgia, the absolute uncaring, uh, headlong rush to basically say, change this, change the legal outcome. Short of saying I'm a criminal, I don't know what the hell else you need from that recording of Donald Trump to make him basically show up uh, in a in a docket and have to you know and basically have an indictment come down. The, the state of Georgia is going through the process in a rather meticulous way. Everybody is aware of the novelty of having to prosecute a former president. Everybody wanted to prosecute, or most people with any kind of a legal leaning, uh, not out of their minds, wanted to prosecute him while he was president. The best we could have done and did do was to was to impeach him twice. Predictably, both times, uh, Republican senators wouldn't go far enough to basically carry it to fruition. Okay. The man is a the man is a walking crime spree, Donald Trump. But Georgia is proceeding uh, as everybody must proceed in a cautious, thoughtful way. Now you got January sixth on one track, you got Georgia on another track, you got Mar-a-Lago search on another track. All of this. Oh, and I, f- I forgot New York City. The, uh, the, uh, the DA in New York City has revitalized something. Well, well there's, a, there's a plea being put on. Alan Weisselberg today, uh, the, uh, the, the financial guy for the Trump organization, he should be pleading guilty to charges uh, involving him and the Trump organization, somewhat lesser, not the, not the, not the full enchilada that basically uh, uh, Letitia James is going for in the civil suit that she's pursuing in Albany. So you have a civil suit in Albany, criminal suit in New York City. You have, you have January 6th, you have Mar-a-Lago, you have Georgia. You really do also have 
everything out of the Mueller report. Remember, that was mischaracterized. You know, it's a hoax. That was, that was the first time Donald called it a hoax and a witch hunt, when there were 10 solid counts of, of, of interference that Donald Trump could be indicted for. And, 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 it, and in those days, uh, not, not quite legally oriented, pure Donald oriented, I'm his attorney general, quite the antithesis of Merrick Garland, Joe Biden in terms of relationship. In those days, Bill Barr basically totally, completely, utterly mischaracterized the findings of the Mueller report so that people would be duped into believing there was nothing there. And Mueller himself refused to come out and say, you know the 10 things over here in the report that say that these are, that these are basic predicates for, for criminal charges for Donald? Well, I'm not going to call them that. All, all of that, all of that. Mueller, think back to the to the basis of the of the of the two impeachments. Well, the the second impeachment, of course, is January six. But the first one, he basically was <laughs> he was attempting he was attempting to bribe Zelensky in Ukraine. He was withholding government assistance that had been approved by the Congress of the United States. That is obstruction of justice. This man is guilty of. Everything. I mean, how do you how do you get this? How can you be Donald Trump? But you see, my reaction to him in that regard is exactly the antithesis of what the average I'm extrapolating here Trumpian feels. It is for the very fact that he basically bucks the system, bucks every norm. This is what makes him appealing to a lot of people who essentially want to feel, yeah, someone's, yeah, get him, go get him. It's a grievance machine. Donald has a brilliance. He has a, a snake's a snake's uh, sense of the of, of of the of the of the atomic structure in the air. He can sniff. He can he can flick his tongue and taste the need for grievance, the, the hunger for grievance that drives so much of America. That feels, for whatever reason, it is aggrieved or should be aggrieved by what America is. And I always put at the base of this. Some people want to want to give other reasons. It's 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 invariable racial. It's invariably uh, they are coming. They are taking over. We are being marginalized. <laughs> your, re your reaction to that, of course, can be anywhere from annoyed to a white supremacist to anything else. But there is an underlying grievance mechanism that Donald can tap into in a heartbeat. He's having some trouble doing it right now. I mean, he's already he's he's fundraising off of the Mar-a-Lago episode, but but he's he's having trouble finding a a mechanism or finding a storyline. His people are having trouble finding a storyline that will basically be the constant one that will be out there that the base will be chewing on and repeating among themselves, you know, in the in their social gatherings or online or in social media. 
it's all over the damn place right now. That's the problem that they're confronting. And it also indicates the legal difficulty that his so-called legal team is confronting in constructing some kind of a response to what's going on. Uh, there, there, was a, there was an outreach to uh, some major uh, law firm or individual law firm that was part and parcel, I believe they were part and parcel of the defense of Richard Nixon back in the day. Donald sees himself uh, going in that direction. And the, the law firm or the individual, I can't think of the names offhand, uh, said, thank you, we're honored that you asked us, but no thank you, we don't want to be involved in you. The legal team, if you want to call it that, the Rudy Giuliani et al. legal team has proven to be useless to Donald. I mean, 63 legal cases or 64 cases brought to challenge the, uh, to challenge the election results, no results whatsoever. In fact, the only real result is Rudy being disbarred and how on earth that other thing, uh, what's her name, um, uh, the, the other attorney, the female attorney who's crazy out of her mind, uh, how she hasn't been disbarred, or maybe she is, I don't know, is, is beyond my wildest dreams at this stage. Now, Rudy will be going down to Georgia, I think, today. And understandably, he's going to plead, probably plead the fifth, over and over and over and over. To every question, you, you have to basically, uh, you know, you have to respond. You can't plead the fifth generally and say, whatever you ask me today, it'll be the fifth. No. Every time a question is asked, you must plead the fifth. This comes in a case like this, in a criminal case where, this, where he is now a target. Pleading the fifth is not a get out of jail, quite literally, card. It says, I can't say anything because I might incriminate myself. And, it's gonna, and, and I have to say it again and again and again and again. It's, it's forming a basis, a record, for what basically will happen in trial. And the fact that he pled the fifth, I, I, I would have to verify this, but the fact that the, that, that the fifth was pled again and again to the grand jury... I'm not sure, if, if, if Rudy were to attempt to testify during the actual trial that I am assuming is going to take place, then that information could come in there. But at a minimum, it is an inference of some form of guilt. It can be, it can be, it can be viewed as an inference of a recognition of guilt, the fact that you cannot testify for the basis that it may put me in criminal jeopardy. That is, that is permissible here, but you, can nor, but you cannot not. You cannot force someone to speak out against their own interest one way or the other. You're simply saying when you take the fifth, basically I admit to the fact that I've got something wrong, but I'm not going to tell you about it. Find it out from somebody else. Okay. Self-incrimination. You, you, you can't be forced into self-incrimination in this country. Nor can you prevent, it now seems, you can't prevent yourself from being a target of an investigation. 
Now, and, and, and that raises another question here, especially vis-a-vis Mar-a-Lago. Is Donald Trump, like Rudy Giuliani, a target of an investigation based on Mar-a-Lago? Target in the very specific sense that he is a likely, he will likely be indicted in, in the course of this thing in the course of the investigation. He technically is not, because so far as we know, his attorneys have not been informed that he is a target. He has uh, this one female attorney, basically when on Fox recently, uh, this clip has been shown a number of times, was asked, uh, uh, was there uh, there, uh, classified information there concerning uh, nuclear secret? Well, I don't don't know what was there. Well, but you signed off on an affidavit uh, a few weeks earlier saying that there was no other classified material. This was on Fox. Well, I, I, babble, 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 babble. You may very well find all kinds of sanctions being brought and even criminal activity for, for, for basically for lying on an affidavit. This could be brought against this attorney. I'm surprised that she has not quit uh, Trump's team at this point already because she is in specific, uh, she is in specific uh, jeopardy at this point about uh, being accused of lying about what was out there. Everybody that touches this guy eventually is tarnished. And oh, well, we have, oh, and we even have uh, Lindsey Graham, who has been told he must appear before the same grand jury as uh, Rudy Giuliani is appearing in front of right now. I'm sure Graham will fight it a little bit more. I'm a sitting member of the Senate. I have a blah, blah. Yeah, well, you know, criminality uh, takes away any privilege you might otherwise have, and you did not do this in the course of your normal business as a senator. It may have had a political consequence, but it was a criminal, it was a criminal undertaking. You can't change this stuff around, and you're completely out of your league, and this involved Georgia. Hello, you're not from Georgia. You're from South Carolina. This ain't your ballywick. Uh, you're going to have to show up over here. He'll fight this for a while also. The net, net, net of all this is that the walls are absolutely coming in on Donald and everybody around him. The net net is that he's going to be pushing back, and this is standard Donald, classic Donald, any lie, anything he can say, but we're watching what happens. And it's really a a first impression situation, certainly for me, watching him really twist in the wind, trying to create some kind of excuse that will get some sort of traction. And the fact that there's a new excuse every day concerning the Mar-a-Lago search, forget about everything else, but that there's a new excuse every day says that nothing is really taking traction, at least not the way his snake senses want him to feel that it is. 
uh, is it I'm throwing it all against the wall and hey, hey, loyal sycophant Trumpians who will please send more money as well, by the way, because that's, 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 that's how I get my money. Uh, pick any one of the excuses I've put out there and, and run with that. And of course, I mean, you know, I, I love all of you gun-toting uh, Looney Tunes who are willing to threaten or actually try shooting up FBI agents around the country. I love all your threats. I would never say one way or the other, but you know I love you. Now go home. No, 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 no. It, it, it's, I've never felt him twist like this before. And you know it's coming. You know he knows. You know his lawyers know. Everybody knows that the trajectory is an inevitable one, that there's just enough of about a 13-degree slope that everything is sliding in one direction, and the big, big bucket at the end says indictments. That's where it's going. It's invariable. It's going to go there. Now, <laughs> how he's going to deal with this ultimately... I, I have no idea. What I feel confident in saying is no matter what, and, and this point came up uh, on several uh, cable shows last night, the question was posed, let's assume between now and, uh, you know, well, whenever, I mean, you want to take it uh, during the primary, the presidential primaries for 2024, you want to take it in the very near future. What happens, what happens to, to Trump's chances for being nominated in 2024 if, in fact, he is indicted before then? And there was a panel of about three or four people and the response across the board, and these were, these were high-end uh, political and legal types on the Democratic side. And the response, 100% was, it will not matter one lick. If Trump is indicted, he will still be nominated by the Republican Party. And which tells me that if you have an indicted guy trying to run for office. I'm sorry, I can't be at this stop today. I have to be in court. I'm being sentenced. Or Who knows? Who knows? I would imagine if the indictment came before then, the trial would be taking place, and the results of it all would be out there well in advance of 20, the 20, November of 2024, of the election itself, and that Trump will lose dramatically, dramatically, but then that raises the next issue, and that is, what does he do when he's lost the second time and decides that this time around, it's make it or break it. I've got to have power, and I will do anything. His brain goes, his brain fries completely, and he goes wackaberry. And he basically says, we've got to take it back. That's it. We're not going to let this happen twice. They can't rob it from us twice. There's just no way. And he basically calls for insurrection on steroids. He calls for war. He calls for civil war. He Whatever the hell the guy does. Then we're going to have to deal with that madness. We're going to have to deal with the insanity <laughs> of an indicted 
guy, perhaps even convicted, who the hell knows if his, if his, if his sentence is pending or if his sentencing is pending during the period of the actual presidential election or prior to uh, January 20th of the following year of 2025 when wh whoever is elected would be, taking, would, be, uh, would be sitting in as president. I'm guessing more and more it'll be Joe Biden. Uh, it's, it's, it's a sick situation, and Donald has no off switch. So I, 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 I leave you with this notion that we see where this is going in terms of the legal processes. Merrick Garland is no longer making us wonder about whether he has the stomach to be prosecutorial as opposed to uh, judicial, uh, rather than weighing pros and cons of, 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 of two different opposing sides in a courtroom, if he can take on the role of prosecutorial guy, which is the role of the attorney general. He was having some difficulty, apparently, really absorbing the full nature of that. He no longer seems to be burdened by that difficulty. We're going in a direction. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm going to venture to say that things are looking better for the Democrats from a senatorial perspective. There is, we're, I'm, I'm, we're, it's looking 50-50 on the House for 2022 now we're talking. And we, we are hearing already uh, talk uh, from, from idiots like the potential speaker, um, you know, McCarthy, what's his name? Uh, yeah, uh, that he would put out immediately, they would begin legislation to defund the FBI. Of course, that's not going to happen, but it'll become a basis for shutting down Congress. And, and it, just all hell will be made to break loose if the Republicans get back in. It'll be basically, we're, oh, we're going we're gonna to investigate, uh, uh, we're going to have a Hunter Biden investigation, we're going to have a, uh, a Dr. Fauci investigation, we're going we're gonna to get even with everyone and everything. They're going to just basically bring everything, every process of government to a grinding halt so that the grievance machine can go completely bonkers. And, and this will only feed in to the loss uh, in 2024 of Donald Trump. And it will make it that much more massive and that much more ugly. They have to know this. But they're trapped as well. Trump is trapped in his own weird brain. The Republicans are trapped by their fear of the base they still believe he controls. If, he didn't, if they didn't think he controlled the base, they would dump him in a heartbeat. But everybody's afraid of that base so that no matter how ugly and how stupid and how insane his processes may become, no matter how ridiculous he may say something, no matter how ugly and, 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 and potentially violent things may get, they will not Bake, they will not break with this guy as a group. They're still afraid of him vis-a-vis -vis the base. He knows that they're stuck. He has to self, for them to basically disavow themselves of him, he must self-destruct or be so destroyed by the process that they can all say, oh, it's awful what they did to him, what the courts did to him, that sentence was ridiculous, the president, the former president in jail, how horrible can this be, blah, 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 blah. But then 
then and only then can they face the base and say, we did everything we could. Please don't. I was loyal to the end. Don't take it out of me. But we have to go for in the name of Donald, we must go forward, says Ron DeSantis, says Greg Abbott, says not definitely doesn't say Liz Cheney, who seems to uh, have a presidential run in 2024 on her mind as well. That will be interesting to see how that works out, to watch that primary play out. There's so much ahead, but what no longer seems to be in doubt is that Donald will at some point in the probably not too far distant future be the object of an indictment. And there'll be a trial and there will be a conviction. No one is running, is taking any chance that, that if they take him to trial, there will, won't be a conviction. That's true in the case of the Justice Department here with the Mar-a-Lago search. That's true in the case of anything going on with January 6th. That's triply true in the case of what's going on in Georgia right now for the specific tampering in the Georgia election. Anyone bringing a case against this guy is bringing a bloody airtight case. It's all about jury selection at that point. That's where we are. And it's the results of that. It's the results within the country that we have to begin questioning. But justice will ultimately be done. Donald Trump will face justice. I feel confident in telling you this. The unknown is what happens within the country once that justice is meted out. I, I, my gut tells me it won't be as bad as we think. It won't be as good as we hope, but it won't be as bad. It will not be a worst case scenario. There's going to be some nuttiness, but we cannot allow ourselves to imagine that justice can basically bypass the biggest crook ever to basically live within our political system and in many other systems. We can't allow that to happen. And I am convinced at this point, it's not going to happen. Donald will face justice. A little jazz.
Hi, this is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. There's no question in my mind, Donald will eventually face justice. There will be indictments coming down. The question will be, what will the reaction of all sides be? To my way of thinking, the greatest danger would be to basically show or claim that Donald is above it all, because if we do that, we will have declared the end of the American experiment, and we're not going to.